Good morning, church. That was quite a game last night, wasn't it? How many Buckeyes do we have here today? We're all Buckeyes today, aren't we? Whew. Great game. My uh, Bobcats, unfortunately, didn't make it to the max, so, you know, another year. Well, one morning, I, uh, I woke up as normal and uh, let the dog out. That was one of my rituals, let the dog out, you know. And uh, when I called him to come back in, I, I noticed that there were two identical dogs. I thought that was kind of weird. And then I looked around, and I noticed that there was two of everything out there. And uh, so I went back inside, and I called up my um, optometrist and made an appointment. And about two minutes later, the doctor actually called me up and said, I need you to get in here right now. That kind of rose my anxiety level just a little bit. And after the exam, he uh, confirmed that I had double vision. He said, I need to get to your doctor right away. And so the next few weeks, I was in and out of labs and doctor's offices. I was getting brain, brain scans. By the way, they didn't see anything there. <laughs> my wife could have told them that. And um, in one exam, they injected me with the substance uh, to see if I had myasthenia gravis. And during the test, I, I lost consciousness. And when I woke up, there were all these EMTs and, and, um, and uh, police officers there and uh, around my, my exam chair. That was a little disconcerting. <laughs> I prayed a lot during that month-long ordeal. And I began to realize, I was 40 at the time, I, I began to realize, oh my goodness, I, I'm mortal. <laughs> I'm not going to live forever and how much I need a Savior. And it may be that some of you have gone through kind of similar things and it's deeply changed your perspective on life. During the season of Advent, we're, we're diving in deep to find out why Jesus came to earth. And we're doing that by unpacking what it means uh, to be saved. What, why do we need a Savior, and what does it mean to be, to be saved? And last week, we, we, we looked at a, a word, we looked at that word saved. And we use that word a lot in the church, but I'm not sure we always know exactly what that means. And, and so last week, we looked at the, the Greek word for it, zozo. And we learned that it means not only to be forgiven and delivered from divine punishment, although we do need that, but, but it, it refers to being to be healed, to be, to be made whole. And I think once we begin to understand this, the rich fullness of this word, that Christmas is going to mean so much more to us. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 17, I think beginning with verse um, 11. And Jesus is on his way south uh, to Jerusalem. And he's near Samaria, and he passes through this village. There are ten lepers who meet him there. Now, uh, leprosy is a, is a bacterial infection. It, uh, it attacks the nervous system, and it causes skin lesions on the body, uh, numbness in your hands and in your feet and in your legs. And gradually, it will lead to paralysis a crippling in your hands, and then eventually to blindness. Uh, so they stand at a distance, 
And, and Luke records, they cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, they kept their distance for, for two reasons. First of all, they were considered contagious. And secondly, it made you religiously unclean. And so you would be isolated from your faith community. And if someone came out close to you, you were uh, expected to yell out, unclean, unclean. Don't come any closer. Well, these ten lepers hear that there is a, uh, a rabbi coming to their village, and it was rumored that he uh, could heal people. And so they're very excited. And Jesus hears their cry, and he goes over to them, and he says to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. Now that sounds strange to our ears. But the lepers knew exactly what this meant. You see, in the Hebrew Scriptures, if you were healed of leprosy, you were to go to the priest to show him the physical evidence. And if he saw that, that you no longer had leprosy, then you were declared cl clean and you could come back into the community. And so as, as the lepers leave to go show the priest, something happened. Look at verse 14. As they went, they were made clean. They were healed, all ten of them. This dreaded disease was gone. Their prayer had been answered. I mean, it was a dream come true. And when they realize this, one of the ten responds differently than the rest. If you've got your Bibles open, look. He says here, he returned to Jesus, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. So, so this leper, he's got a little Pentecostal in him, okay? He's, he's, he, he's happy. He's, he's shouting. He's falling down. He's profusely thanking Jesus over and, and over again. And Luke mentions the fact that he's a Samaritan. So he's kind of on the outs. Not really a part of, of, of the Jewish community. And Jesus asks a question. Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus seems kind of dumbfounded. You're in deep distress. Your, your life was basically over. You cried out for help. And I answered you when, when nobody else would. And, and, and why was it only this Samaritan, this foreigner, who came back uh, to give thanks? Now, I doubt the other guys were bad guys. They're probably thinking, man, I want to go home. I want to see my family. I want to I hug my kids and, and see if I can get my old job back again and, and get back to normal. For whatever reason, they don't bother to come back except for the one. Verse 19, then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. 
Now that word well there, that's our Advent word. That's, that's the word for sozo. The Samaritan's expression of gratitude seems to indicate that something has happened in this man's heart, that there has been a conversion caused by his faith, that his faith opened his eyes to the very reality of who is standing there in front of him. He recognizes Jesus as his Savior. So the other nine, they were physically healed, but the grateful Samaritan has received much, much more. He has not only been healed of his leprosy, but he has gained entry into the kingdom of God. And so what we learn from the story is this, that Jesus wants us well. You see, one-third of, of the stories in the Gospels are stories of healing. In Matthew's Gospel alone, there are 15 stories of healing. And so Matthew writes this. He says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Verse 24. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and they're paralyzed, and he healed them. And so Matthew records the three major focus of, of, of Jesus' ministry, the teaching, proclaiming the good news, and healing. Again in Matthew, we read these words. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. And then Matthew adds this. He says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, that he took up our infirmities and he bore our diseases. Now, what in the world is Matthew talking about here? Well, he is, he is quoting from Isaiah. He's, he's quoting from chapter 53. You may recognize it if I quote a little bit more. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds... We are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, these verses have long been held by the church uh, uh, to be a, a messianic passage. In other words, it is describing the, the crucifixion of Christ and the benefits provided to you and me through his vicarious suffering, through his atonement, that he took up our pain, that he bore our suffering, that he was pierced for our transgressions, and by his wounds we are healed. And so what Matthew is teaching us here is that the redemption that Jesus provided on the cross includes all of our healing, the body and the soul, and the spirit. In other words, we are promised more than, than just forgiveness of sins and, and a one-way ticket to heaven. We are offered the possibility of wholeness. 
In fact, the word salvation refers 14 times to salvation from disease, not just from sins. And so salvation in its total meaning is not only deliverance from sin and its consequences, but deliverance from anything that keeps us from becoming whole people. Anything that detracts from that quality of life is not a part of the plan of Jesus. Part of the, the proof that Jesus was the Messiah was the sick were being healed. Uh, last week, we, we learned that when John the Baptist was sitting in uh, Herod's jail and he was struggling to know if, if Jesus was really the Messiah or if they should look for somebody else, Jesus told John's followers, go back and tell John what you've seen. Tell him that the blind receive sight, that the lame walk, that those who have leprosy are cleansed, that the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, not only did Jesus heal, but he, but he gave that ministry to his disciples. In Matthew 10, Jesus is sending out the 12 to do what he has been doing, and this is what he says. He says, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Almost word for word what Jesus said his mission was. And they do. After Pentecost and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the first thing that, that John and Peter do is they heal a, a man who's lame. In Acts chapter 5, we find the apostles performing many signs and wonders. People are, are bringing their sick into, into the streets, and they're hoping that just as Peter walks by, that his, that his shadow falls over them, and, and they're made well. Imagine that. Don't even need Peter to touch him. Just let his shadow fall on us, and, and we'll be made whole. Verse 16 reads, Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And Jesus expects you and I to do the same. Here's where it really gets crazy. <laughs> Beginning in John 13, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. He's preparing them for his departure. He's going to die soon, but they don't quite understand it. And then he makes this rather shocking statement in chapter 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Did you catch that? Whoever believes in me. How many of you believe in Jesus? <laughs> A couple of hands going up. That's good. We're on the right track. We're moving forward. <laughs> he says, you're going to do greater works even than I did. Now, that's crazy talk. Uh, author and, and teacher J.D. Walt says this. He says, whenever Jesus inserts a very and truly before he says something else, he means he really really, really means what he's about to say. In other words, go back and read it, and then go back and read it again just for good measure. What Jesus is saying is essential. It's important. He's not exaggerating. He's not using hyperbole. He clearly expected the healing ministry of the church to continue. In fact, so did his disciples. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians um, that uh, one of the gifts given to the church is the gift of healing. 
So why has the healing ministry kind of disappeared from the church? If, he, if healing is one of the signs of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in this planet, why do we see so little of it? I mean, has God gotten out of the healing business? Has modern science uh, eclipsed the need for it? I find that most Christians uh, have no problem believing that God can do it. I mean, if you can create the universe, healing somebody shouldn't be any problem. If, if you create the human eye, then you should be able to fix the human eye. They're just not sure, so sure God wants to do it. The thing is that all Scripture seems to point in the opposite direction. That God does care. <laughs> that God is supremely interested in our well-being. If God cares for the lilies of the field and the sparrows in the sky, does he not care about you? You see, God is as interested in the well-being of our bodies and of our minds as he is in our souls. And the incarnation, God becoming one of us, speaks powerfully to this truth. I mean, imagine a, a God who came to earth and took on human flesh to save our souls, but doesn't care about our minds or our bodies. Doesn't that seem kind of contradictory? It does to me. Well, maybe God doesn't need to intervene anymore. Maybe doctors and drugs and technology and hospitals are, are enough. But, of course, we know that's not true. There's lots of things that medical science can't do yet. It doesn't have an answer to all of our illnesses. Well, some well-meaning Christians believe that the healing ministry ended because healing was only a sign to prove the gospel was true, that it was from God. I think if we believe that, this interpretation would tell us that God is really not interested in seeing people well and whole and, and functioning, but God's only interested in proving a point. <laughs> yeah, healing is a sign that the kingdom of God is breaking into our world, but, but Jesus, again, he came not just to save our souls, but to bring healing and wholeness to us as well. One more story to make my point. We find it in Matthew 8. There's a man with leprosy, and he comes and he kneels in front of Jesus. And listen to what he says. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So notice, he has no problem believing Jesus can do it, right? He's got the faith. But he's not sure that Jesus wants to heal him. You see, leprosy in first century Palestine was often seen as a result of divine judgment. It's because you had, you had done something bad and now you are, you are reaping the consequences of it. And so if this illness is something that God wills, well, well, who in the world is he to ask God to take that away? But listen to Jesus' response. First of all, Jesus reach out, reaches out and he touches the man. Now can you imagine how long it had been since this leper had been touched by a human hand? I mean, nobody purposely touched a leper I mean, think of the skin lesions all over him, covering his body. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. And then he said this, I am willing. Be clean. Some of you may remember uh, some years ago when Pastor Jim Wagner, when he came here for a healing retreat, he told the story of one day getting a phone call from a family in his church. Their two-month-old baby was in the hospital. 
and doctors did not expect for it to live uh, the night. And so they asked their pastor to come over and, and to pray for the baby. And as Jim drove to the hospital, he was trying to figure out how to pray. Because believing the child w was going to die, he, he didn't want to pray for the child's healing, thinking that failure to heal, then that the parents would, would no longer believe in God, that they would leave the church. And so he decided to, to make up a prayer that would be very general and nonspecific. Uh, I've prayed lots of prayers like that, you know. But Jim said, in, in the middle of my prayer, he said, suddenly my, my mind just went blank. And I couldn't remember that prayer that I had come up with. And he said, suddenly I, I found myself praying that the, that the baby would be healed. And two weeks later, the parents and that baby were there getting baptized. The baby almost totally recuperated from the illness that the doctors thought was going to take his life. How do you explain that? And I bet a lot of us here this morning can testify to God's healing power in our lives. I know that I can. So if Jesus came to bring healing and wholeness into our lives, why are, are so many of us not there? I think for a lot of us, including myself, a lot of times we just don't expect God to really show up, do we? Now, in the book of Acts, it was the norm, but not so much today. Now, Matthew records the story in chapter 17 of a boy who seemed to be suffering from some kind of seizures. And the father of the boy brings him to the disciples, but they, they can't seem to help him. So the, the father brings his son to Jesus, and Jesus heals him. And later on, the disciples, they get together with Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, we need some feedback. What in the world did we do wrong? Why, why is it that you were able to heal him and, and we were not able to? And Jesus said to them, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move, that nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is saying, just a little bit, just a little bit of faith. Mustard seeds are pretty small. Just a, just a little bit of confidence, just a little bit of expectation that, that God will show up and, and do the extraordinary. Remember when Jesus visited uh, his hometown of Naz Nazareth, nobody expected anything. Nobody expected God to show up. Why? Because they all thought they knew Jesus. Oh, yeah, we know Jesus. He grew up here in our town. Nothing special about the boy. Mary and Joseph, we know who his parents are. The Bible says that Nothing happened because of that. Where no one expects God to be present, not much happens. Folks, I have prayed many, many, many times for healing. For myself, my family members, for church members, for strangers. And most of the time, that prayer not been answered in the way that I wanted it to be answered. And even the Apostle Paul discovered that. When he prayed once that God, he had this thorn in the flesh. Don't know exactly what it was, but some kind of something that, that was really, really hard for Paul. And he prayed three times. And, and, and finally God said what to him? He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. But 
sometimes, sometimes that prayer is answered. And it's amazing. At the 8.30 service, one of our older members, Dottie, she came up to me after the service. She said, I just want to remind you how I had stage 4 ovarian cancer. And she said, God healed me. And I'm proof. I'm still here, Pastor. I'm still here. So what do we do? I just obey God. I leave the results up to Him. I'm not going to play it safe in my prayers. For me, I think the only way to grow in my faith is to take the risk and to pray. I can't control God. I don't know the outcome. But I do know that God is in charge and that God has commanded his people, the church, to pray for the sick. And so we obey him. I, I learned a lot through that um, double vision episode. Uh, my doctors finally discovered that it was simply a muscle in my eye that controlled my eye that had grown rigid and wouldn't allow my eye to move properly anymore. It really wasn't a, a, a big deal. It wasn't life-threatening after all. Glasses and surgery helped a lot. I can live with it. A lot of things we can't live with. But there's stuff that you learn through such times, stuff that is essential to living a life of faith. Like the leper, you, you learn gratitude. Uh, you learn how to trust. And I've discovered that I'm not quite as afraid of the unknown as I used to be. And my fear of death is just a little bit more diminished. This Advent, we need to learn to live in that expectation that God will show up, the great physician, that the kingdom of God is near. It is breaking into our world. And we need to boldly announce that he comes into our lives to, to bring healing in our body, in our mind, in our spirit. That he came to give us life and to give it abundantly. Uh, the prayer, uh, when, when um, they, they were lighting the Advent candle, when Madeline prayed at the very end, come Lord Jesus. That's the ancient old prayer that the church pray, started praying from the very first century. What would happen if we just started praying that on a daily basis? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into our minds, come into our hearts, come into our bodies. God, come into this world, come into this planet. Bring your healing power that we might be whole people in body and spirit and in mind. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we shrink before the very mystery of life. We shrink before the very mystery of who you are. And we realize, God, that we're not in control, but you are. God, help us to learn to trust you. Help us to learn to bring all of our needs to you and to take those great risks and to pray Pray for each other, to pray for our community, to pray for our world. Come, Lord Jesus, come and make us whole people once again, we pray. Amen.